0: Today, we have Trina Goodwin. You may have watched Trina's episode on the Netflix series Skin Decision. If you haven't, it's a must watch. Trina was a wife and mother to two beautiful little girls. On a normal day, like any other, she came home from work and her husband shot her nine times before killing himself and their two little girls. Her story is one of recovery, rehabilitation, healing, and life after tragedy trina
2: welcome tell me about your dreams you know what my dreams this is really my dreams right here i want to get my voice out there i actually want women to know one bad incident does not define you so as long as i can say that and someone hears it that really is my dream because if you hear it enough you start believing it you believe it you live it
0: do you know how many women are afraid to tell their story.
2: Yes. I find that out on the DM. Women and men. But it's so many women who don't tell their spouses of decades things that they've been through when they were younger. It's incredible.
0: If you're brave enough to do it, I think you can change people's life.
2: That's what I want. That's really what I want. Because when you're in these situations, you don't feel like you have an out. You don't feel like You know, there's a chance, so you don't feel that, because you don't really hear about the people who make it out okay. We always hear about the story, but we never see how someone's on the flip side of things.
0: Can we take it back to your childhood? Tell me some fond memories.
2: My childhood was typical for for the typical tomboy. I played sports. I had three brothers, so no sisters. That's really where it started. So I had, you know, the the rough and tough, uh, the fun. So I played football and basketball and running, climbing, playing in the creek. My dad actually is one of my most favorite people in the world. He's so peaceful and kind and patient. He taught me a whole lot. You know, teenage years, you don't listen to your father like you don't know what you're talking about. But as I became a woman, he's always been right there by my
0: side. What are activities that you like to do with your dad?
2: You know, we both are two of the most greedy Americans I know. And He's so thin, I'm kind of small, but we love to eat. We're Marylanders, so we love crab cakes. So we go on the quest to find the best crab cake that we can find. That's like really one of my favorite things to do. And then when we don't really go on those excursions, my father loves Chipotle. And again, he's not a big framed guy. So if he eats the whole burrito, his little stomach sticks out. <laughs> oh, goodness. But that, that's really like my favorite memories of my father is either playing sports or eating.
0: I love that. That's so cute. That reminds me of when my dad used to take me to chess tournaments. And every time we went mm-hmm. to a chess tournament together, we'd stop at the Waffle House. Yes. <laughs> and I used to love yes. getting a waffle with two eggs on top.
2: Exactly, it's like the little things. It's the little things that just last forever. Some of my best memories was like coming up with my dad, bringing me a candy bar on Friday. On Friday, he always bought us a candy bar home. You know, we didn't get all the, the junk food and things, so Friday was that day we let loose. As simple as a candy bar, I remember. It's not about the gesture, it's those memories later, that feeling that you gave someone.
0: What's your favorite candy bar?
2: It all depends because I love peanut butter, so the Reese's Cup is one of my faves. But sometimes I see that Snickers commercial, and I, I want a Snickers. When Betty White was doing the Snickers commercial, oh my goodness. They knew what they were doing with that one.
0: I like both of those, but for some reason, I'm thinking about a baby Ruth.
2: You know what? Those are good, too. You know, every so often, you get your thing.
0: Tell me about your mom.
2: She bakes really well. She loves to baked cakes, pies, a lot of baked goods. So I love to cook. She was one who really influenced me with baking and cooking. And my father's a great cook as well. Those are like my my really good memories of her. Even now, what she does is one Sunday a month, she scours the internet and she looks for a recipe to make for all of us to come over for like a fancy Sunday dinner, like a recipe she doesn't normally do or something we've never ate before. She's always figuring out a way to keep us together and keep us excited about seeing each other.
0: That's such a beautiful thing to do actually on Friday night, you know, at the end of the work week, mm-hmm. I try to cook bread or cook something that I don't make the rest of the week so that my kids look forward uh-huh. to that meal together also.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we love going back to my mom's house, but that's a special thing, you know, and, and we also get to pick a dessert. So everyone gets a turn to pick a dessert. So, you know, at least once or twice a year, you're going to get what you want.
0: That's so cute. I actually have three boys and a girl, so I understand that dynamic.
2: Whoa. Oh, my goodness. That is so cool. Where, where does your girl fall into the boys?
0: So I have boy, girl, boy, boy.
2: That is our order. No. Yes. That is crazy.
0: That is crazy. My daughter is a super girly girl. She's not a tomboy at all.
2: See, my mom was a tomboy. So as a woman in the teenage years, my father was the one that's like, okay, you need to slow down on sports and like, you know, be with the girls because, you know, he's like, I don't want you around these boys. You're starting to become a woman in the body. My mother was a jeans and flannel skirt wearer. I didn't have someone saying like, this is a good color lipstick for you. Me, I just went for like bright pink and and red because that's what you see on the movies. I looked crazy. So it took me really until... I was in my 30s to really feel comfortable with wearing makeup. I see these girls on YouTube, I'm trying to learn this stuff. And I'm like, whoa! My
0: daughter loves watching all those makeup tutorials on YouTube and she mm-hmm. made me buy, it's like a stamp, and then you can mm-hmm. do the liquid oh. liner, yeah. so it makes oh. a perfect cat eye. Let me tell you something, I could never do the cat eye till I've spent $12 on a freaking <laughs> stamp. dollars
2: okay. It was 12 bucks, but you okay. know what? Perfect cat eye on Amazon. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look, and I'm actually on Amazon as you said this. <laughs> now, isn't that something? Let me tell you, this is very empowering for me. This is something that I've been wanting to do for years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talking about children, this made my cat
0: eye game go up. <laughs> I'm telling you what I learned from my nine-year-old daughter. She's like, Mom, I'll help you out. I want to know, since you were a late bloomer, it sounds like, what, what was dating like?
2: Dating was hard because my oldest brother was six years older than I am. He actually passed away a few years ago, motorcycle accident. But when I was a teenager, 13, 14, 15, he was 19, 20. And he was a very cool guy. I really didn't get bothered a lot by a lot of the guys because they're like, she's more trouble than it's worth. So in all honesty, I met my ex-husband at 16 years old, and that's just who I was with until I was. He was the only person that my brother actually liked. I ended up being with him and got married.
0: First of all, I'm really sorry about your brother. That's terrible. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I can't believe that your ex was the first guy that you really dated. Yep. How did you guys meet?
2: In school. He was on the football team. I liked guys with muscles.
0: What was he like?
2: To me, he was always, you know, a very normal guy. Even though he was on the football team, I can't, and I don't know, maybe because certain things I really have lost a little memory of. But I can't remember if I could say he was popular or not popular.
0: You guys kind of grew up together, right?
2: Yeah, we grew up together. My oldest daughter, I had her when I was 19. So I was a teen mom, but he had a great family. I feel like I had a great family, and they were very, very supportive of us and, you know, making sure that we did the right thing, going to school, having a career. And, you know, they were great influences with that. They made sure that we did, we were able to become responsible parents, both his family and my family. See, over the years, when my mom did work, She always worked in like daycares. My mom is incredible. I would tell anyone like, yes, just because she's my mother, but she was just also incredible with kids. So she kept my daughter until after school and things until she was 11. I was in a trade school. So for her doctor's appointment, because she was an infant, you know, they go like every so many weeks, it seems like. My mother would take her to one, but I would always go to the next so that they saw that You know, my daughter had a mom. It's not like one of these typical teens who, you know, just run the streets and didn't take care of their kids. That was something that always stuck in my head is that I'd never want to be looked at like that. Were you judged? Did you feel judged? You know something? This is funny. I never felt judged. Maybe about five years ago, a few of us, a few girlfriends were together and we were having you know drinks and doing what girls do after the end of the week or whatever and someone bought up the fact that i didn't go to prom because i was actually pregnant during prom because i was like really i thought i didn't go to prom because i was pregnant and you all were talking about me this is 20 years later and no one said anything so i was a little bit bothered just because it was a fresh emotion but what a lot of them didn't understand was I honestly, I went to the prom the year before because my ex-husband graduated the year before I did. And the way I looked at it, I didn't want to just get dressed up and dance. We actually took a trip, that was worth way more. And we probably spent a third of what we had spent the previous year during his prom. Growing up, being teen parents, we constantly thought about our budget and, and wisely spending. But it it is funny, I never felt any type of way, even though years later, I found that people did talk about me being a team mom. Well,
0: I'm glad you got your prom experience. What did you go to trade school
2: for? Um, I went to be a dental assistant, which I did for probably six or eight years. I actually became a surgical assistant in the middle of that. As I got older, I still knew what I was doing assisting but I kind of wanted flexibility when my daughter like, was about to make a transition into the middle school age. So I got into the more administrative insurance billing and things like that in the dental office. I'm still in a dental office.
0: You know, when you were talking about desserts, I just mm-hmm. tried a churro for my very first time. Yeah. I'm 40. <laughs> yeah,
2: Those will get you in trouble. The first oh, time yeah. I had one, I went right back and got another one. And three days later, I got another one, but I won't go to a state that's not known for something delicious. And I wanna know what whatever the state is known for, I wanna eat that. Before I was shot, I ate everything, chicken, pork, steak, all meat. And after I got shot, because one of my shots was in my face, so I tasted a lot of blood and mouth was wired shut. So for eight or nine weeks, I didn't eat anything. Then when I was able to start, it was like I just had tomato soup like every day. And I remember one day I told my friend, I said, I'm ready. I want my chicken wings and I want them now. When I first bit into it, even though it was cooked, I tasted blood. And I instantly flashed back to the event because I felt like I could taste blood. So after that, I just stopped eating meat. I can't
0: believe that a chicken wing made you have a flashback
2: mm-hmm. there's a lot that kind of triggers. my baby girls they loved georgetown cupcakes on that day i bought the cupcakes and i remember i was really happy about coming home and um, i never gave them the cupcake i get emotional when i see the cupcakes like my boss sometimes he'll send those cupcakes to us even though i didn't give them the cupcakes it's just like and i feel sad that you know i didn't get to enjoy that feeling but for some reason every time i see that i just feel like somebody's about to get happy do you feel comfortable talking about that day i do but i will tell you there are certain things that are very choppy i remember but i don't remember there was a particular part I thought about it and I I didn't remember this. And then it came back to me. You know, when I came home from work, it was a regular day, I had the cupcakes in my hand and they were upstairs running, like just making all kinds of noise. My youngest, she was four and she was so spunky, spunky. I mean, my mother used to joke and say, I cannot believe she's a girl. She just tumbled and bumbled. So when I came home, I said, you guys better be good or you're not going to get your treat. And I saw him walk past me. He was coming from upstairs down, and that's where the kids were upstairs. And he started shooting right at the stairway. And it's crazy because I didn't realize that I was being shot. I didn't even realize a gun was shot. I just remember a noise. And I realized, oh my God, I'm being shot. And then he stopped, he stopped. And you know, those first, I don't know how long, but for the first little bit, I was really trying to figure out what was going on. I knew something happened, but at this point, I even, I kind of think I forgot about what just happened. I just knew something bad happened. I remember crawling to the door and then I heard him. I heard him shoot his cell and then I heard him hit the floor I couldn't open the door it's so foggy but I kept remembering like why isn't my arm moving and then I found out days later that the bone was just obliterated so I have a metal rod in my left arm which is you know in place of a bone my god mm-hmm. there's so much that I don't remember, but then I see things, but I can't understand what I'm seeing. Because at this point, I was shot nine times. Like, all I remember is just blood. I smell it. You can think about other things, but sometimes smells trigger me the worst. And I work in healthcare, I smell blood sometimes.
0: And didn't you wake up in the hospital?
2: I woke up in the hospital, and, you know, from what I hear, I, I kind of opened my eyes a couple of times before I actually woke up, and I kind of vaguely remember, like, seeing people. I just didn't get it, and then when I finally really woke up, woke up, you know, I mean, my mother, where is my kids? I want to see my babies. Call my babies. Mind you, I couldn't talk. Everything was being written with my right hand, and I'm left-handed. I've actually have, I think my mother actually has a lot of the notes that I was writing with my right hand. My best friend, she was sitting there one day, and I looked at her, and I wrote, I want my baby. And she walked out. You know something? As I rewind back to this, I'm not an advocate for, like, drugs, pain medications, and all of that. I kind of think I remember, and again, this could have been imagination because, you know, there was medication, but I remember me feeling like every time I would ask for my kids, I would fall asleep. And I got to a place that I wanted the IVs out of my arm because I wanted to know where my children were. And they finally told me the day that she walked out the room, that was the day they told me. And months later she told me when she walked out the room she got in my parents face this is why i know she loves me and said if y'all don't tell her today i will they told me i was mad i was mad at everybody everyone who came and wished me well i was mad because i felt like everybody lied to me i was so mad i didn't want to see anybody Who told you? Both of my parents and my pastor. It's one of the things that I'm so thankful for right now as I look back is because of the relationship that I have with God. And I was such an active member with my church. My pastor was there almost every day, him and his wife. My kids played with my pastor's children. It wasn't like I just went to church. I know people should be crazy going through what I went through. People should be on drugs and alcohol. I'm not. Me and my journey is all with my faith. September of 2019, I kind of said to myself, what have you been doing? You need to go back into that building. So I started going back to church with a high school friend. I went to church every Sunday ever since. And with watching Sarah Jakes Roberts, I said, I want to speak to women. I want women to know they are not alone. And I'm not saying every gender doesn't go through what I went through. But I'm a woman. I am a mom. I was a wife. I can identify with women, mothers, and wives. When I speak, I'm not speaking for everyone. but I feel women, for so long, we make ourselves the lowest value in our families. You go to the store, you might've said you were getting yourself a nightgown and slippers, but you saw a dress for your little girl and you had rather get that for her. You go to the store and you say, you know what, tonight we're gonna have apple pie for dessert, but your son's favorite dessert is on sale, so you get that instead. Like women sacrifice everything. And at the end of that, we got how to take care of ourself and making ourselves a priority not saying you have to be mean but sometimes you be selfish and love yourself so you keep that empowerment and that's all i want because i didn't have a bad marriage my ex never laid a hand on me i think we probably had about six yelling arguments and i don't even remember how long we were married that's crazy that's 13 years I think we've had six yelling matches. He wasn't a yeller. I'm the yeller. My family is loud and Southern, and we watch sports and and get loud with each other. And he was always quiet. So it wasn't like this guy was knocking me around. Never once did he lay a hand on me. Never once. This came from left field. And that's another thing that I, I focus on because so many people were like, I didn't even know what you were going through. And I have to constantly repeat that. It may sound crazier, but that's what it was. I was not a woman who was ever touched. I, I always emphasize this. This wasn't something that I was like, "Oh my goodness, if I burn the potatoes, he's going to knock me across." No, it never happened. This was unimaginable. Do you the thing remember is, we anything fishing? from that huh? day?
0: I mean, it's just oh, so how crazy. Did that work?
2: I was at work, I think this was on a Thursday, because Thursday was study club. I do study club, and we, it's different dental professionals get together. On that day, I would normally get home on my study club day, and it was once a month, maybe an hour or so later. So there was nothing out of the ordinary. Like, this was the norm. There was nothing out of the ordinary. So it's not like there was a sign. It was not like, this is the lifestyle that I'm used to. We lived in Southern Maryland. We had farms on one side of the field from our house. And to get into D.C., we had to pass two farms just to get back into civilization. When I had my children, I said, I'm going to leave this where we were living. And I've moved all the way down south. I worked hard to do so. I wanted to make sure my children had the best opportunities. So I looked for a county that had the highest graduation rate for black teens because I was a teen mom and I wanted as early as possible for my daughter to not go through or have a chance of being a teen mom. I didn't finish college. I wanted her to finish college. Average American family, that's how I felt. I was a mom that just wanted the best for my child. I would never imagine this.
0: Do you miss him?
2: It's funny. I do not because when I first found out everything, I didn't want any noise. I didn't even want the nurses to speak to me too much in the hospital. I didn't want the TV on and I wanted the lights off as much as possible. And finally, someone turned the TV on one day and I just left it on the same channel ever since. And it was, it was just strange to me. Trying to heal mentally spiritually you, you don't know how how you react when things get really dark as i later on maybe watch something i may see something and think that would be a show that he would watch oh that would be a restaurant he liked to go to because I, I really i love going out to eat and then as i really mentally healed it turned into anger So for a while, I had a lot of anger just hearing his name or thinking about something. I don't know how, because all I really do is pray. But one day, he just didn't really become a fact. It's a part of my life that I did know him, but I don't think about him like that. He shot me nine times, and I'm still standing here. So God can take me through that. I'm not going to give him my mind space.
0: What about your children?
2: Oh, I think about them every day. You know, they've been gone for a little over three years. And I go to the grocery store every other week. I buy some of their favorite snacks. Sometimes I, I get them in the basket. And if I'm really paying attention when I'm checking out, I do put the stuff back because I, I don't need it. What happens is I buy all of the things that they like. And then within the next three days following, I'm bringing a little bit of junk food to work every day to get rid of it. With that, I cry. Sometimes I'll stand here and put my groceries away and just bust out crying. For some reason, I feel like I got to get this. And I don't know why. But then I look at it like this is the stuff that they used to like. Who eats those? My children ate those. I still miss them every day. I have a chair in my living room with things that my oldest daughter made I have something that my youngest daughter used to always try to take from me. So I think of them every day.
0: Wow. Actually, when you started talking about the snack items, it it made me think Mm -hmm. of the food that my kids want me to get every time I go to the grocery. And my husband, this past weekend, last Friday... He grilled hamburgers and he made French fries. I don't know if he made them on the grill or what, but they were freaking burnt and crunchy. Exactly. And I ate them yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. just Oh, because. yeah, because they're good. You got to go for it. Because <laughs> they were all eating them, right? Yes.
2: See, I don't know if you all have one. Um, it's called Five Guys. I know it's a Virginia-based uh, burger place, that Five Brothers. Those are the only fries that I eat. If not, I make my own fries.
0: You know, my daughter is coming up here. She watched Skin Decision with me, and she wants to say hi to you. Do you want to say hi to her? Sure. Yes.
2: Hi, I'm Celia. Hey there, Celia. How are you? Good. Guess what? Your mother told me about the cat eye eyeliner, and I actually ordered it for my Amazon, because I do not know how to do a cat eye. That's so cool. <laughs> I love little girls. I think little girls are the best.
0: I'm surrounded by brothers.
2: I heard you have three brothers. I have three brothers, too. Three brothers are the best. Sisters are okay. I don't have any sisters, but having brothers is the best. Sometimes they pick on me. Do you have a brother that you're the closest with? Who gives you the most snacks and things? Who breaks the rules for you?
0: My elder brother.
2: Your older brother? (laughs) Who's the funniest? I don't know. You don't think any are funny? No. Do you play any sports? I know you like makeup. Um, no, I don't. No? Yeah, keep with the makeup because, you know, you do, you're teaching me and we haven't even met. So I need you to keep up with that so I can get the inside scoop from you. Okay, I will.
0: <laughs> she loved your story. She said you were the most beautiful one on the show.
2: Oh my goodness tell her thank you and you know it's so funny <laughs> because i i am biracial so when i was younger i never all the way fit in i had a lower self-esteem i think during certain times in my life and i didn't really look at myself as one of the prettier girls That's and so it, it's so sad like It is. Even though it's sad, it made me who I am because I have friends who they know that they're beautiful. And I think more than half of those girls that I'm thinking of are me. So maybe being called ugly humbled me a little. I don't know. (laughs) You are beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I didn't feel that way for a very long time. Again, I never felt like I was like the old shoe in the corner, but I didn't feel the way people speak to me. I just always, for a very long time, thought, that's just being nice. But now I say thank you. And in saying thank you, you really do believe it eventually. And now I do feel pretty. I'm so glad. I'm curious to know
0: how you got cast on the show.
2: I don't even know that was God's work because I was actually supposed to be on a different show. And the day of the show, I had just moved. The, The day of the interview for the show, I had just moved. And that morning, my laptop was working. That evening I came home, laptop was working to do a Skype. As soon as they called me, my laptop got slow. And it said it was an update and I had just did all these updates, like the night before to make sure that I was good for the next day. Like, okay, we'll try it. You know, tomorrow that morning I got an email and it was like, well, you know, we're going to go a different way. And I was like, whoa. Cause it was more at that time. I was like, oh my God, I didn't even want to, I wasn't ready. I thought to really speak. And I said, I'm going to do it because this needs to be done. And when that didn't happen, I was hurt. I didn't realize that one of the casting folk was following me still on social media. And another show came up and she contacted me. She's like, I don't know if you remember me, but I fell in love with you. And I'm thinking, me, this funny looking girl? And she says, I want to send you something. And that's pretty much what happened. And when she said it, I didn't hear from her for like three weeks. I was like, okay, another crazy person on Instagram. Because I was no one then. And and I'll tell you, at this point, the only thing that people were coming at me with, I felt were shady things. Because at this point, everyone was still looking at me as if I was an abused woman and this is what's my end result. Like, you know, and I had someone one day say, why did you stay for so long? I stayed because I didn't go through anything. Everything was just coming together. And at this point, I felt like I felt better about speaking on it. I was afraid, what is his family going to think? What are my coworkers going to think? Even though I'm still at the same place that I've been, I've been working here for six years, I was always very private. Still, I was kind of like in a shock, like, oh my goodness, they're going to know my business. There was a switch because I really did get tired of everyone thinking that I was a battered wife. I said, I want to set this straight. I want to live now. So with this show and that opportunity, I had other things that mentally kind of had me in, in, you know, really in my head about it, but it really something clicked when I saw the children of the man that I love because they didn't know what happened. But when I saw that, I said, whoa, like oh my goodness that happened and then this was happening and everything just comes together my life I've been taking it one day at a time in the most positive way possible and lately it's like I've been under clouds for so long I'm starting to see like these sunshine and rainbows spiritually and I'm so thankful for that
0: I honestly feel like you're like an angel in this world
2: Someone said that to me one day. For a human being to say that to someone, I took it seriously. And when it was said to me, I really felt like I don't want to let anyone down. And so You many are a miracle. People, you are definitely a I, miracle. And that's what I'm, I'm thankful that God chose me. There's a book in the Bible, the book of Job. And Job went through what I went through 10 times worse and he kept his faith, and at the end of his faith everything was returned to him tenfold. I'm not asking for a return tenfold. I'm asking for God, just let me save somebody else, let me encourage somebody else, and I can't necessarily say I can save someone from domestic violence because I don't know that. I don't know that life, but what I can do is show you that you can walk through hell with everything against you and you can come out outright. I've been through the fires and hell is what I feel. I don't even smell like smoke anymore. I want that for any woman who just feels like they are by themselves, like there's no other option. You're talking to a woman who had a husband. I didn't pay any bills. I bought groceries and did the frivolous things that mothers do. I didn't have any worries when I realized that you got to take care of yourself. Not saying that I couldn't, but this was a whole other lifestyle. And not only that, I was doing it trying to stand up straight. I didn't go back to work April, May, June, July, August, five months. But at five months, I was doing three days a week, physical therapy twice a week, going to counseling sessions once a week. I had to be an adult. And, you know, people tell you about, oh, there are agencies that can help you. And I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I I couldn't get a social worker staying on hold forever. And at this time, doing this while taking medications and almost every time you just fall asleep while doing it, trying to get someone to help you with your medical bills, prescriptions. I was on a prescription that was $500 a month, not covered by my insurance. But it was the one that my doctor saw fit because I needed blood thinner, but they wanted something that had something to reverse it. And this blood thinner was the only one because I was still, I had to take blood thinner, but my stomach was still kind of cut open. So they wanted to be able, if I bled too much, to be able to give something to kind of, what, deactivate the blood thinning medication. It wasn't easy. I had to do what I had to do.
0: Can you talk about being on Skin Decision and the surgery that they did
2: my best memories is really the crew i really felt like i gained a family even dr nazarian like i call her and tell her what's going on with my life and in my mind and in my heart like she's as they say boss bitch but she's a boss chick like she is just everything but she still makes time to make me feel special and loved That show was off the show was over I don't ever have to see her again, but she still shoots me a text. Girlfriend, how you doing? What's going on? One of her daughters was there on one of the days we were filming, and she said, you're, you're my daughter's favorite episode because she was there when you were there.
0: I know they took some inches off of your waist and they sewed you up, and that, was, that looks pretty major.
2: That incision down my front, I believe I had four to six, surgeries at that incision. Two or three of those surgeries were done over a course of so many days, maybe two weeks altogether. They never closed me, like stitched me. They kind of had this, this, I don't know the names, but it was like a plastic tape, but not tape. So that scar, you know, a couple of times actually had to be reopened. Um, that's the one on my torso. And then the one on my side, that one, there was a bullet. They kind of closed that up temporarily. And I don't know how many days between all of this, but it was some time. And when they did a CT, they saw that there was more fragments. So I think they went in that area two or three times. During one of those times on the hip, my intestine started dripping out of my hip. Oh my God. First, first two or three weeks. That I was back when I was home, that I was able to start eating. All I would eat would be like blueberries and strawberries and oatmeal. And when my nurse would change the bandage, because I, I had a nurse that came every day, I'm like, this looks like blueberries. I ate blueberries last night. And she said, I'm concerned. But one day, I think I had ate oatmeal, and oatmeal, oh, you can't really see what's what. but I don't know why. Something said only eat blueberries and strawberries today. because Those are seeds. And within so many hours, I looked at that bandage and I said, these are blueberry and strawberry seeds. And I went to the hospital and they did an MRI type of thing. And they found out that my intestines was leaking through my side. I went down to 117 pounds. I didn't even really recognize myself. I remember the first time I looked in the mirror, I felt like a monster. I did not know who I was. The healing from that was like crazy.
0: And you love to eat. That's so hard.
2: I I know. And it was like, I just started eating. And you know, it's crazy because my mouth was wired shut for so long. I didn't know about the whole, if you don't open and close your mouth, when they take the wires off, you're not going to open your mouth. Like, think of as skinny as your pinky is. The day that I op- I got the wires off, I couldn't even take my pinky and put it between my teeth.
0: How long did it take you to fully heal?
2: I really don't like to say that I'm fully healed now, but as far as being able to function like most people, six to 12 months, depending on how you look at it. Just learning how to, I had to learn how to put my shirt on. I had to learn how to take a shower. And you know, it's funny, and it's just something I know I didn't talk about, but um a bump in my right arm the hospital had like a surgical center that i would go to either every week every two weeks and they would also monitor the wounds because again i'm in my parents house i had a bump in my arm and one of the nurses one of them said oh this is just scar tissue another doctor said that might be a muscle tear i'm going to probably put you in physical therapy i did physical therapy two days and i said this is not what it is one day i actually went To the physician, you're the only one I trust, and she's like 30 miles from my parents' house. At the time, I'm living in my parents' house. I have a bump in my arm. My arm is swelling. I can't even. I couldn't even comb my hair. This is 2018, December 2018. Over a year and a half, I got this bump in my arm, and I said I see something black in it, and they keep telling me it's scar tissue, but I think they did something to my arm. She got a some kind of medical instrument and poked it. She said, it's hard. I would have to numb you if you want to look at this, but I'm gonna just call the hospital and I'm gonna send you to the hospital. I said, Doc, I waited six weeks to see you. I don't trust the hospital. They did something. I said, they keep telling me it's this and telling me it's that. I can't even put my arm behind my head anymore. Like I wasn't even able to do my hair. She said, I never did this before. I said, well, this is gonna be the first time for you for me because I'm not going to the hospital today. So she opened it up with a, a scalpel, and she said, this looks like a bullet fragment. And then she said, oh, my God, Trina, this is a bullet. So I had a bullet in my arm, which I was told for over a year and a half that it's probably scar tissue. It's probably a pulled muscle, but it was actually a bullet. And I actually have a picture on my Instagram two or three months before that, that lump in my arm. And I had a coworker that kept saying, that bump is getting bigger. But, you know, you don't see it. And then I was like, no, this can't be me because the doctors are on me. They tell me that it's just this, it's just that. I had to get a pick line. I don't know if you know what a pick line is. It's a, it's a like IV tube that runs from your arm all the way to your heart. So the first time that they tried to run it, they actually hit that bullet. I didn't know it at the time, and it made me jump. I didn't know why, and I was like, I felt something. Something felt weird. When I moved out to my parents' house, I came from the hospital and went right to them. I didn't go into my house for a very long time. And when I went to my house, I couldn't go until it had been cleaned. Like, they have, like, biohazard teams that clean up crime scenes. So they got rid of a lot of things that were not restorable and all of that stuff. When I was ready to, to kind of go through things, I only went to the things of mine that, you know, your essentials that you need. And I took a few special things of my daughter's. <sighs> Some of the things my oldest daughter made, she was crafty. So I have a lot of her little crafty things. And my youngest daughter the unfortunate thing is her incident happened in her room, so I don't really have anything from her, because all of that was disposed. So that's something that really, it, it hurts. I don't have not one of her baby dolls or teddy bear or anything. Oh
0: my God. Did you go to the funerals?
2: Yeah. I actually planned the funerals from the hospital. I was barely talking at the time. I made the funeral on the last day that the funeral home would allow me to leave my children in the funeral home before burial because I was trying my best to just get as healthy as I could just to be at the funeral. I actually went to the funeral. As I said to you, I had multiple surgeries in my stomach. They never stitched me up. So when I was at the funeral, I was not stitched. I was taped.
0: Oh my God, that must have even been hard to cry.
2: I couldn't. I couldn't. I had a nurse sitting beside me the whole time. She was feeding me painkiller with applesauce. Like, it was one of the most painful things physically. I'm not even thinking to be emotional. That was hard. But, yeah.
0: Were his parents there?
2: They were. I'm not going to say that they were not good or they were not supportive, because to be honest, you have to understand the whole situation. So I don't think people really knew how to act towards me. I really feel like even now being around people depending on who. I feel like a Martian. I always feel like the girl who has this story. The girl who, you know, she's walking now. So yeah, his parents were there, but we didn't really have like interactions really. And it's not because there was any bad blood. I just really feel like people don't know what to do. What should they do? You know what? I don't know. What do you do? This isn't like your friend lost a shoe or, you know, you spilled milk, you know what to do, help clean it up. But what do you do for anyone? I had one really good buddy that would come over and just lay beside me in bed. He wouldn't say anything. sometimes he would say, how are you? And other times he would just look at me. Oh,
0: I, I love that. That he just was there, and, and he was just present with you, and, and that was enough.
2: That's all sometimes you need, just so you don't like lose it.
0: You said that you feel like a Martian. I'm going to bring up yeah. something a little uncomfortable, but at the beginning of the conversation, even as a mom of four, I'm like, I wonder if you feel uncomfortable you know, with me putting my daughter on or with me talking about my kids. I'm sure that other moms feel uncomfortable talking about their kids around you.
2: Yes, they feel uncomfortable. Most Mother's Day, I'll have like two or three people say, hey, I'm thinking about you. I'm not sure, you know, if you want to hear this, but I want to say it. But the Monday after Mother's Day is when I get at least 20 to 30 texts or messages from friends saying, I didn't know if you wanted to bother with me yesterday. And to be honest, depending on how close the people are to me, it hurts me more that they act weird. When people who I think are pretty close with me don't, it makes me feel, again, like that Martian because you're still thinking about it and you're thinking of this as my disability. And yeah, it is. That is the most, the the biggest thing in my life. It's the hardest thing in my life, but I want to live. And when people do that, it reminds me that I'm still the broken girl to everyone.
0: Do you find that it's healing talking about it?
2: Yes, depending. I keep my story close and it's so crazy. I can talk to a stranger, but with certain people, depending on our relationship, I don't.
0: I want to go back to your dreams what is the Mm -hmm. biggest dream you can dream
2: my biggest dream is simple my dream is someone saying to me i've been following you for a while and you are the reason that i'm still standing here you gave me strength you encouraged me i made something happen because of you that really is my dream i just want to help somebody You know how many times women 2nd guess some of their best decisions so they didn't really do it confidently? I want for women to feel unstoppable. Because I didn't feel like that. I was like, what am I gonna do? But I did it. And I had some difficult times, but I did it.
0: You've inspired me tremendously. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I think you should be on stages. I think you should write a book. I think you should have your own show. All of those people that are messaging you with their stories, you could give them a voice. You have so much potential. You're, you have so much light.
2: Thank you. I never at the very beginning would have thought that someone would love me because of the way my stomach looked. I didn't even have a belly button. And I actually found a great guy who loves me. Yeah, the scars there, shoot, he put some cocoa butter and make sure that everything was moisturized. Like, I didn't know that someone was going to love me like this. I just always believe in seeing is believing. And I really, 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 I really try to live positive. and And I, I, I want that because I want people to see. I went through a lot, but it didn't turn me sour. You don't have to be bitter. Because someone broke your heart or someone doesn't want to be the person you want them to be for you. You know, I lost friends after this. Some of my friends thought that I was going to sit around and probably go crazy. I've lost my best friend who was my friend when I was 12 years old. I don't even know why. I just want people to know, like, one incident does not define you. Don't let the worst incident be what's defining you. You take that and you blip it. You make it the best thing that ever happened to you.
0: Girl, you got this. Shake that tail feather. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, boy. Let's
2: go to Grandpa.
1: What a, a magnificent story. Your show is giving an opportunity for her to be real and give her voice and be able to show that one of the most horrifying tragedies that can happen to a person doesn't have to define you in a negative way or where you play sour grapes your whole life or where you're bitter the rest of your life where she's using it as a point in her life where she again has to pivot, be positive, move forwards, recover and try to do something good with this event where instead of it breaking her, where it's going to be a focal point of helping others and helping herself make a a real difference in people's lives. And her main goal now in life and yearning is to have this experience help others that are having a tough time or having something terrible happen to them. From my point of view, it's going to be hard for anyone to top this tragedy that she's experienced, where uh, she should be able to reach out to many people that are going through tremendous anguish and be able to say, hey, I've been there, I've done that, I've experienced this, and I've gone through a long recovery. And every day that I've made some positive motion forwards from this, and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better and you feel better and that you can be not only a person, but you can be a growing person.
0: Trina, here's a little message from my daughter. You're beautiful just the way you are. If you think you can do it, then do it. Our first instinct is from our hearts. I want to tell you about UMAP, a program that shows people who they are, and how they'll be most successful. Not only did it win the 2020 Career Innovators Award from Career Directors International, but 100% of UMAP certified coaches recommend the program. Let's hear from today's coach, Allegra Stein.
2: Hey there, I am Allegra Stein of misfittomaverick.com. As a coach, understanding my UMAP completely transformed how I look at my work. And now I am on a mission to help as many coaches understand their gifts by leading them through their unique UMAPs,
0: I fully endorse this tool and certification program, so check out myumap.com. That's M Y Y O U M A P.com. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.